If you keep the the Lord's Prayer open before you there, that passage from Matthew 6, uh, I'll certainly be referring to it uh, as, as we go here this morning. This morning, uh, as I've already said, starts uh, a new preaching series for us here, which will run throughout July and August here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. And I've, I've, I've given the series a title, uh, one that I've stolen from one of the books that I've been using in my preparation, 57 Words That Changed the World. Uh, and that, as I've already said, is a reference to the Lord's Prayer. The prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, at least the way it's recorded in Matthew's Gospel, was a mere 57 words in the original Greek. And this summer we're going to study that prayer together. We're going to study it in the hope that our uh, life with God, our praying, our conversation, our relationship with God uh, will be refreshed, uh, will be deepened, Uh, as we do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, oh, oh, this this isn't going to be for me. I'm happy enough to come to church. I'm even happy enough for somebody to read the Bible and to try to teach a a little bit about it. Uh, I even sometimes try to take that and and live it at home. But but prayer, uh, that's not really for me. Uh, That's what the super spiritual guys in the church do in their prayer meetings. I'm not the praying kind. Let me make a couple of observations before we go any further. An observation about us and an observation about this prayer. First, I'd say that many of us pray more than we realize. We might say that we're not the praying kind, and by that we mean uh, that we don't pray in public. Uh, We don't do a great job of getting up early in the mornings uh, and praying before our day begins. That may be true, but it's still likely that we pray more than we realize. We we pray whenever we take a a look at a a breathtaking landscape or a, a stunning night sky, and the overwhelming beauty causes us to lift our hearts to something, someone beyond us. We cry out to God in our loneliness. In those moments when we're conscious of the incredible blessedness of our lives, often we find ourselves saying thank you, thank you to God. Uh, there's, There's gratitude there. And often we pray as a last resort when all else has failed. So it's possible that while we don't think of ourselves as praying people, that all of us may be praying more than we realize. But even if we are, let's say, not praying at all, let me tell you right at the outset of our series on the Lord's Prayer that Jesus' prayer isn't for the praying kind. An observation about this prayer, it's for people who don't know how to pray. In Luke's account of how Jesus gives the prayer, Luke records that the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. As far as I know, that's the only biblical record of the disciples ever asking to be taught anything. They didn't ask to be taught how to to 
preach. They didn't ask for leadership training. They didn't ask for healing workshops, for seminars and counseling and casting out demons. Only one thing they asked for that we know of. And they asked to be taught how to pray. Presumably the reason to do that is because they don't know how to. They are conscious of their lack of being able to pray. So this prayer is given to people who don't know how to pray. The disciples ask Jesus for help with their praying because they know they can't do it, but they know that Jesus can. I think the reason why the the request for prayer is the one that's focused on in the gospel narratives is because it's the one that's central to everything else. Probably in their heart of hearts, the disciples knew that if they learned to pray like Jesus, to be with the Father of Jesus in the way that Jesus was, then all the, the counseling and the preaching and the healing and the casting out demons would take care of itself. They knew that if they were ever to grow like their rabbi, if they were ever to be Jesus' disciples, his apprentices, they'd need to learn this. How to pray. How to be with the Father in the way that Jesus was. So whenever the disciples do come to Jesus and they ask and they say, Lord, teach us to pray, I think they had more in mind than, you know, teach us a new technique to keep us awake because we sleep while we're praying. I think that something more in mind than Jesus, can you show us the, the newest 40 days of prayer plan that we can use as a bookmark in our Bible? I think the request was something along these lines. Jesus, teach us how to relate to the one that you call Father the way you do. Teach us to be with your Father in the way that you are. And that's what Jesus does then. Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus, the brilliant teacher, the short 57 words. Daryl Johnson rightly claims that these 57 words change the way we understand God, ourselves, and the world. So there it is, 57 days, or 57 words, sorry, to change the world. We're going to look at the prayer over the next number of weeks. We're going to notice that it has six different requests or petitions in it. Uh, And I thought I'd show you that quickly in the outline this morning. So if we can pop that slide up. Um, Thanks, Paul. I'm going to look over my shoulder at Paul's screen because I can't see that one. So our first petition or the first request of the prayer is, hallowed be your name, the second, your kingdom come, the third, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Then give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts, number five, and then number six, lead us not into temptation. The way we're going to approach this series is to look at one of those six in each particular week. But this morning, what I thought I would do is is stand back and take a look at the whole before we look at at just one of the the phrases or clauses. And I want to make five comments quite quickly this morning about this prayer as a whole. First of all, notice the scope of the prayer. Jesus covers everything in this short prayer. 
In these six short petitions, he gathers up the whole of life. That's quite a claim, but let's see if it holds true. We're physical beings. So he deals with the whole of our humanity. We're physical beings. So he allows in this prayer that we say, give us this day our daily bread. We're relational beings. So he allows us to pray, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Help us when our relationships go wrong, as they often do, Father God. We're spiritual creatures, so he encourages us to pray, hallowed be your name. Lord, help us to to know how great you are. Help us to see you in all your glory. If you think of any need, any longing, any concern, it's covered in the Lord's Prayer. Nothing's too big, nothing is too small, and nothing's left out. When the German theologian Helmut Thielicke rightly call this prayer the Lord's, uh, the, the prayer that spans the earth. He was just joining with pastors, theologians, who have spoken of the Lord's prayer as the sum uh, of Christian life. So that's the first thing to notice, the, the scope of the Lord's prayer. Everything, every moment, every dimension of life. Secondly, notice the flow of the Lord's prayer. Um, It can be divided into two halves. So the first three petitions, and then the second three petitions making up a second half. The first half uses the pronoun your, your name, your kingdom, your will. And the second half, the pronoun us, give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins, lead us not into temptation. The very simple observation here is that Jesus teaches us to pray beginning with God's agenda first and then coming to ours. Ours isn't left out. We're allowed to pray for our daily bread and help in our relationships. But God first and then our agenda. Notice then a third thing, the center of the prayer, the little clause on heaven as it is in earth. Those of you who are part of, of my generation will, will know that Belinda Carlyle spoke definitively on this subject in 1988 when she assured us that heaven is a place on earth. Um, it's not, at least not yet, But Jesus invites us to pray that it will be. Jesus invites us to pray that earth will become more and more and finally totally like heaven. So that that prepositional phrase there, on earth as it is in heaven, it goes with each of the first three petitions. It's it's not just uh, tagged on to the end of the sentence uh, where it is. So... The prayer reads really like this. Hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the Lord's Prayer, which stands right at the center of the Sermon on the Mount, this this sermon all about life when the kingdom of God breaks in, has right at its center this phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. And that's because the central concern of God 
is that his kingdom, the life of heaven, will come to earth. That's why God came among us, to begin the inbreaking of his kingdom into life on this earth. So whenever we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're, we're getting involved in that invasion of earth, or, or sorry, of heaven into earth. We're, we're participating, we're, we're going ahead of it. We're saying, Father, your name is, is hallowed in heaven. In heaven, everyone understands how great you are. I want the same here. In my family, in East Belfast. Father, you're the king in heaven. Will you extend your kingdom? Extend it here on earth into my house and my neighborhood and throughout Ireland. Father, your, your will is done. Would you do your will in my workplace? And the workplaces of Dublin and of London, of Berlin and Bangkok. That's what it means to pray the Lord's Prayer. The fourth aspect of the Lord's Prayer to draw your attention to, for me, is probably the most surprising one. And it's the, the verbs in the Lord's Prayer. They're, they're powerful. Uh, they're, they're punchy. And they're all in the imperative uh, voice. And if, if you know anything about grammar, uh, you'll know that that means they're commands and not requests. So this prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray is full of commands to God. Um, that's strange, isn't it? How can Jesus teach his disciples to tell God what to do? How does that work? Well, and probably my stretch of grammar uh, runs a bit thin at this point, but apparently these commands are also in a, in a passive voice. So they mean something like, be hallowed, uh, come and be done. There's a, a note of reverence there, but there's also a sense that the command that we're making is one that only God can actually do what we're asking for to be done. Only God can hallow his own name. Only God can bring his kingdom. Only God can uh, make sure that his will is done. So these, these prayers are very forceful. They really are commands, commanding God to do his will in the world. And that means they're quite different than, than what I thought I think in my heart of hearts, I probably read this prayer something like this. Let us hallow your name. Lord, help us to, to show how great you are. The prayer isn't, let us bring your kingdom. Because many times, in many ways, we try to do that. The prayer is not, let us do your will. The prayer at all points is, Father, you do it. You do these things. You bring your kingdom on heaven. You do your will here as it is in heaven. And do you see the difference? We're simply asking God to do what only God can do. But we're doing that in a, in a very uh, forceful way. We want to see God be God in this world. But we're not the ones who make it happen. Finally, for this morning, uh, I want you to notice the, the mechanics of the prayer. And, and what I mean by that is how it works. Uh, how, how might a, 
a prayer like this work? The Lord's Prayer works because of our Father who art in heaven. Maybe you've heard uh, people say prayer works, or you've maybe said that yourself. Prayer only works if you pray to the one who can do the work. It's because of who we address in our prayer. Jesus chooses to focus on two particular aspects of God's character um, as he makes him the focal point of this prayer. He addresses him as Father in heaven. Both of those things. Not one of them, but Father in heaven. The Father who wants to do what his children ask him, and the one in heaven because he has the power and the ability to do it. It used to bother me, if I'm honest, to pray this prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, and to to hear talk of God in heaven. Um, I didn't like the sense of God being far off, as if you had to raise your voice when you prayed to make sure that he heard you. It's not what Jesus meant. The heavens in the mind of a first century Jew in Jesus' audience were absolutely the opposite of far away. The heavens were here. The heavens was the air that you breathe. The heavens was something close at hand. So that's who we address when we pray our Father in heaven. Another thing about heaven in the the mind of a first century Jew, it it speaks of God's throne. So just in the previous chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus warns his listeners not to swear by heaven, for it is God's throne. And that's important. It means that when we pray to our Father in heaven, we pray to the one who's on the throne. You wouldn't want to be praying to somebody who wasn't on the throne who wasn't in charge, who wasn't able to answer the prayers that you're praying. But our Father in heaven is right nearby us and on the throne. So whenever we pray, we can expect that something will happen. In the opening line of our prayer, Jesus chooses to focus our attention on, on this other dimension of God's character, calls him Father. The all-powerful creator God on the throne is Jesus' dad. Abba, he calls him. Daddy. This is the one whom Jesus loves and trusts. And when his disciples want to learn to pray, he says, well, why don't you call him dad too? Why don't you learn to love him and trust him the way I do? Lots of people struggle with the image of God as Father. uh, And there are uh, difficult and and diverse reasons uh, why that might be the case. If you're somebody who finds yourself uh, repulsed by the idea of, of God as a Father, let me reassure you that he's very like his son, Jesus. If you have an idea in your head that Jesus you love, but the Father you don't, 
John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You want to know what my dad's like? He's very, very like me. God the Father is just as good and as gentle and as kind and as approachable and as vulnerable and as welcoming, just as generous as Jesus. Jesus' open arms are the open arms of God the Father. Jesus wants us to get to know his dad in the way that he knows him, to to love him and to trust him. So there's a, a quick overview of the Lord's Prayer. The scope, everything and every moment. The flow from God's agenda to ours. The center on earth as it is in heaven. The verbs forceful as we command God to do what only he can do. And then the mechanics, the reasons it works. It's because we're praying to our Father in heaven. Already, I hope we're beginning to see that this is quite a prayer. We're getting a glimpse of why praying a prayer like this really might uh, change our lives and the world. I want to close this morning by offering you an invitation. And I was wondering whether we could, each one of us, try to pray the Lord's Prayer every day this summer. It's the 1st of July. Why not two months? July and August. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Think about it. It's, it's an important prayer. And that's a good enough reason alone to pray it. It's the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples when they asked for help. By the way, maybe I'll stick my neck out here and say, if you're having a wonderful time in your prayer life, if it's all a walk in the park, don't worry about that. Leave it. You just go ahead with what you're doing. But if you're not, here's something you might try. Good thing about this prayer, as opposed to any others, is that we can take it with us wherever we go. A lot of us learned it in school or in Sunday school, it's in our head and in our hearts. We don't even need to remember to pack it when we go on our holidays. If you leave your Bible at home, this prayer is still with you. If you don't have a fancy smartphone where you can read things, this prayer is still with you. So here's my suggestion. Why not pray a line of the prayer every week? And as I've already said, there are six petitions and we'll come to those But why not begin this week with this first line, Our Father in Heaven. You might think, praying four words. Well, it's good because it's quick, but there's not a lot there. There's a lot there. We've talked about God as a Father. We've talked about how Jesus, in in all that remarkable beauty that we see in the Gospels, shows us what the Father's like. We've noticed that he's in the heavens, that is, right here, wherever we go, 
our Father in the heavens, right here. We've, we've said that he's on his throne. No matter what's going on in our lives, no matter how awful or good, he's on the throne. This, this one line makes us recognize that we're part of a community. It's not my father. It's our father. When we pray this line, we remember that everybody here and, and all those who love Jesus are part of this big family. So there it is, an invitation to pray this prayer. You could begin with that first line. You can pray the whole prayer each day. But, but praying this prayer throughout the summer of 2012. Let's see. Let's do an experiment. And see if we can come to the Lord and enter into this conversation with him. Let's see what he might do as we do that this summer. Let me pray just now. Let's pray. Father God, we have been talking here this morning about prayer. We've been hearing in your word the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Lord, for most of us, when we hear the word prayer, we, we recoil. We feel guilty that we aren't praying enough. We feel confused because we don't know how to do it or how it works. Lord, thank you that you gave a prayer to men who didn't know how to pray. Thank you that you didn't leave them a textbook on prayer. Thank you that you didn't leave them one of those long, agonizing prayers that we sometimes pray in our churches. Thank you that you went right to the heart of who your Father is and who we are and how we might be together. Lord, we want to pray like this or something like it. We want to, to have something of that relationship that you had with your Father that you showed us while you lived on earth. So, Lord, we pray you'd come and you'd help us as we set about learning from you this summer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.